0: Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? This is your boy, Isaac. And this is your boy, Bryce. And we are Brothers on Tennis. And folks, we've got another round with the man, Gerald Duncan. We talked with this man uh, for the Spotlight Series. We are covering his daughter, Maxie Duncan. And there's been a little bit of curiosity in regards to a few of the things that uh, Mr. Duncan shared in the very quick spotlight that we did with him. And Bryce, I know that, uh, you know, we were tossing around getting Gerald back on here to to get a little bit further in depth as far as the story goes. So how about you frame it up for our listeners and viewers? Hey, you know, I'm very excited about this one today
1: because this is one that comes to you based upon listener feedback. Um, like you stated, Isaac, we had uh, Mr. Gerald Duncan on Last month, kind of just talk about what was his blueprint, what was his plan on getting his daughter to the highest level of tennis, and so far that's gotten her all the way to Harvard University, playing the number one spot as a freshman. But you may look at her and say, you know, here's this very attractive young lady who comes from California that is now at Harvard, and she probably came up in country clubs and and did this and did that, and I think Mr. Duncan here is here to set the record straight and to let us know what it's really like. What is it like in the United States of America to try to take an African American girl to the highest level of tennis? And we're just gonna let him go and share what he wants to share because I think what we've heard from his experience has been somewhat shocking. <laughs> so without any further ado, bringing back to the mic, Mr. Gerald Duncan. Welcome back, Gerald.
2: Hey, how you guys doing, man? I appreciate the opportunity to, to be on your show. And uh, I definitely think I could help out a lot of parents who who envision their daughter uh, to become uh, our son, become a, a great superstar, a pro player. In uh, tennis, aren't any sport, um, there it's it's uh, it's it's very tough. Uh, a lot of what you see, the end results, you don't really see the trials and tribulations that that we went through, that I went through, and as uh, my family went through. Uh, it, it was it was very tough. And uh, one of the things that I learned in tennis is the cost of it. It's uh, it's a very, very expensive sport. It's not like any other sport, uh, perhaps besides golf, um, where you have to have the equipment. Uh, Tennis racket costs $250. You gotta have string costs another $10, $12. Uh, You break rackets every week, so you gotta have the rackets restrung. That could cost you anywhere between 18 to 30 bucks per racket. So all these costs are accumulating before you uh, even touch the court. And of, and of course, you have to have clothes. And um, and then, you know, once you get all that, you have to pay somebody to help you get your kid better. Because I'm from a basketball background. I played professional basketball and I was an NBA agent. But as far as tennis, I didn't really have a clue. The only thing that I could go off of was some books, uh, the Williams sisters, uh, YouTube. Uh, so I did spend a lot of time research, uh, but again, I don't have a, a tennis background. I, I, I never played tennis, you know, I, I barely started watching tennis uh, uh, as my daughter uh, started to play. And so I can understand, you know, how, how the game was and, um, and how, you know, how uh, to get things done. Um, But along the way, I discovered (laughs) that tennis lessons can cost anywhere between $70 to $150 per hour. And to create a tennis player, you really have to spend um, four to five hours on a tennis court. So if you add, multiply those numbers, um, that's per day. So, you know, unless you're, you know, making a lot of money when you start adding up per day, times per week, and then a month, you're talking about a lot of money. And at one time, you know, I had the money. I, it was no problem, but I had to make a decision. Uh, when My daughter got around nine or 10. Um, I, I, I had someone else take her uh, to practice and I didn't really get a chance to see it, see her practice. So they would videotape it for me and I got a chance to look at it. And a lot of the stuff I didn't, kind of like, like it or compared to what I was seeing on the videos for players that were really, really good. So I just decided like, Hey, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut my hours back on my job. I'm gonna go ahead and take my daughter to practice myself and spend those five and six hours watching her play, talking to the coaches and getting the feedback and kind of understanding tennis. But along those ways, if you cut the hours from which you're, you're making money, obviously your money's going down, but your tennis costs are still high. So I had a lot of, a lot of struggles, trying to get coaches paid, trying to get equipment, you know, you know, I ended up finding, seeking out to some foundations, but it was really, really tough. And when I got to that level, my daughter actually started getting better because of my presence and i think one of the reasons is i'm all i'm very uh optimistic uh positive person and a calm person and i knew that it was going to be a long marathon it wasn't going to be uh something where she was going to be really good uh at a young age i knew she was going to end up being like a late bloomer because again we didn't really have the resources or the uh, tennis backgrounds to to really really uh accelerate quickly and i've had times where i had to make a decision on paying my car note or paying my daughter's tennis lessons and i had instances where i did not pay my car note for six or seven months because i wanted to make sure my daughter's training was uh was was adequate and i I had to pay that cost Uh, i had my car repossessed at least four or five times i had to i tried to park it down the street when no one even could find it and they still found it, and, it <laughs> and and i you know it's very embarrassing and but you know i like to tell people the truth on on how you know how we came to be and um that was a it was a tough situation you wake up in the morning and you got practice and uh you can't go to practice because you have no car so but but as a person of, uh, survivor survivor, I would say I'm a strong survivor. I kind of never really got down or anything. I ended up calling a friend, like, Hey, I need a ride to, to practice. And, um, I had a coach come and pick us up. I didn't really let anything stop us from trying to be successful because of lack of, uh, resources. So, you know, we ended up recovering from that and, um, I remember one tournament that um, we went to and I really, it was a national tournament and when you travel, of course, you have to pay for, you know, hotel, air flights, uh, food, I mean, you just can't travel, you know, just showing up, you know, national tournaments cost, cost money so i i i I had to get the money together you know i borrowed a couple of dollars from one person i borrowed it from somebody else i even collected some cans and i raised uh i think i raised about three thousand dollars which was enough to get to the tournament uh we didn't win the tournament i think we ended up coming in she came in third place but i looked at her like wow we didn't go we would never have been on that level and i would never got her chance to get her name out there because in tennis there's a lot of players that they don't have any money at all and they ended up getting to a certain age and they just quit because it's really tennis is really a sport where there's not a lot of resources either your family has it or they don't either you know even even like the USTA you know it's a you know they've been around but you know they only can help so many people And usually they kind of gravitate to the top players that win the tournaments at a young age, the girls that win the 10s, the 12s, the 14s. And we never was really in that. We were close. We always got to do a decent showing, but we never won like the big one. And those are the girls that they were tend to help. And and I understood that. I never really, it didn't really bother me. But it was just uh it, it was just a, it's, it's, tennis is a really, really tough sport because you train a lot of hours and you train for a tournament where you could lose in the first round. And then, you know, your player gets uh, disappointed, your team, the team gets disappointed. And uh, it's a, uh, it, it's really, really, really tough. And it's like, I would tell any parent that you can't look at the short run. You can't look at what your kid is, is your kid the best eight-year-old or the best 10-year-old, 12. You really wanna to try to progress to to get your kid to be the best, or one of the top 18, 19-year-olds when it really matters, when it, you know your scholarship is on the, t- on the line or you have a chance to become a pro player. But a lot of players, a lot of parents that really worry about, my kid's not that good, at 12, 13, 14, kids are funny. Uh, you can see, I've seen kids at one age, at nine, and then I see them a year later, they're a totally different player. So you can't really judge where you're at right now. You got to kind of just keep plugging along because kids' bodies change, their heights change, their weights change, their attitudes change. And all of a sudden, you'll see things just click. It's just, uh, it's, it's amazing. But if you're not a, a, a tough, tough person, tennis will, will run you into the ground because I remember many, many nights I, I was like, man, why am I doing this tennis? I could be making six figures, seven figures and just have a simple life. But really I love sports so much and I wanted the success for my daughter and she loved tennis. I even told her one time, I said, Maxie, just get, we could just do something else. You can play, uh, you don't have to play sport. You just go to school and you'll get a scholarship for academics. And then she was like, if you take my racket, I'll just run away. <laughs> <laughs> she, said, uh, she said, I'll just run away and do it myself. <laughs> He's like, my racket is my life. So when she told me that, when, when a young kid said, if you take my racket, I'll just run away, take that run away with my racket. Then I was like, uh, okay, uh, I, I, I see what you're doing. I, 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 I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do all out for you, and and that's what I did. I, I did really go all out. I think I went above and beyond what most parents would do. But coming from a sports background, knowing uh, the development of uh, of a player as a long haul was really helped me. You know, and of course, a lot of praying. You know a lot of you know some luck in there and uh and i, and I had a lot of great coaches uh along the way um but it, it it's uh to any parent out there it's a it's a struggle tennis is a real 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 struggle but the beauty of it is seeing your kid uh persevere especially in Maxie's case when no one really ever heard of her or thought she was going to be anything or she wasn't supposed to be anything because again we have no tennis background you know but but we 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 did have our heart was probably as as more important as our, as a talent we never she never gave up ever and uh you know and I never gave up on her and I I just saw something um special in her and um and and um and we we we've gotten to the point where I think we got a lot more levels to climb. Um, I'm starting to go back to see where we were at where we are in the younger level, like we're in this rut, like we're, we're, we're really good, but we're trying to become great. And I am starting to see, she's starting to persevere even in college, you know, she's done well in the last, I think four or five matches that she's gotten that, uh, that her mojo back and, um, and it's going to be exciting uh, as Ivy league starts, uh, next week. Good stuff. Yeah, go ahead, Bryce. No, no, you go.
0: Well, I was just gonna ask you, Gerald. So when Maxi was playing as a as a as a maybe a nine, 10-year-old, and you were saying she was getting close, getting good results, but not great results. Were you seeing any type of I guess I'm curious as far as the USTA goes, were they showing any level of, no. of interest or did they reach out at all?
2: Well, we did, uh, we did get selected or I think she might've been around eight. She got selected for the, she got a tryout and got selected for the US, USTA in Carson. Um, okay. but unfortunately like six months later, they shut the program down and kicked pretty much all the younger players. So it was really more that they were focusing on the, the older players, the ones that are already established. They're like 15 and 17. That was their focus so it was like really they didn't really kind of like either have the time or they didn't want to spend the time to really focus on the true development because you know in tennessee really developing from 8 to 15 16 you know it's really not a matter of the results um but the results you know are important too So, so, you know, we did have, uh, you know, six months in there, you know, she did learn a lot. She felt, you know, I made her as a kid, you know, you feel like you're in a select group. So we did have some time in there. But after that, I kind of knew like, well, we got to do it our own. You know, this is not going to be a handout thing, you know, however we need to do it. You know, we gotta do it, we gotta do it on our own. But the one thing that I did, uh, and I can look back on, I always kept good relationships with with coaches. Even if we were there for six months and maybe we ran out of money and we couldn't pay, we had to go somewhere else for a cheaper a coach. I've always kept relationships. Like I can pick up the phone right now and call any of the coaches that were associated with uh with her, and they'll 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 they'll, they'll give us thumbs up. They'll be like, hey. You know if he owed us 50 dollars he ended up paying the 50 dollars so you know it you know it, it we, we've got a good uh we've had a good relationship and, and another thing i've always tried to keep them abreast of how how she's doing you know kind of like this is where she's at and they kind of feel uh you know i kind of keep everybody feeling they're a part of it because again they were a part of it you know whether a coach helped her with uh with our uh, forehand our coach is good and mental our coaches good and that you know i could write off eight or nine guys that i can say that were were a part of her uh building of uh, building her because uh, again i didn't know any tennis and i learned my tennis from a lot of coaches so i i would just sit back and just listen and learn um but 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 a lot of it, I would say, was the coaches and and, and ourselves to really develop, uh, you know, as a from from eight year old to where we at right now.
1: Right. Yeah. So you explained that there would be times when you would have to kind of scrap the money together to make sure that you could get to a tournament or a yes. travel or whatever. Yeah. And obviously, there are those other. Uh, kids that are playing that come from the other extreme like you were talking about you know the family has money or whatever
2: yes did you
1: feel that difference when you were kind of in that mixed company at a tournament between like yourself or other people that may have had to scrape to get there Mm -hmm. versus the ones that no, you know, I always, I always
2: wanted to, and I, and I wanted, um, you know, my daughter to feel like she belonged, not like that, you know. However, we got there, we got there, and yeah. we're, we're as good as, uh, we're as good as they are, you know. Even if they have more money, it's not about the money. Uh, it's about the will. It's about the hard work, and it's about the effort level. Because I remember we played. Uh, in little moles, and little moles was like uh, when you first get out there, it's like the biggest national tournament for like kids. And we played uh, a girl when I think Max, she was like nine. We played her in like the quarters, and we got we got blown out. She was really she was like a pro at nine years old, <laughs> and she ended up winning the tournament. And then she ended up winning the eights, the nines, the tens, the eleventh, and twelve. She won so all, she won every single little mole that they invited us on the today show, uh, with, uh, one of the big, uh, uh, one of the big, uh, casters. I mean, she, and she, and she also won the international same thing. Eight, nine, 10, nine, 10. So when Maxie was about 13, we were invited to play in like the top 15 in the nation tournament at Stanford university. And we were on center court and we were, and we, we called this girl, you know, I, I don't want her to say her name, but we called this girl, uh, name, we called her Little Mo because that was the name of the tournament. She was so good, we were like, man, we're playing against Little Mo. We just happy to be out here. And on center court, Maxie destroyed Little Mo. <laughs> <laughs> and it might have been the greatest day ever in tennis because <laughs> after we after Maxie beat her, I got calls from everywhere in the nation. What? Like, why? Wow, because it was on live stream. And they were like, "Oh, you beat Maxie beat Little Mo. She's there now. She's there now." Maxie was so shocked, and she beat her really convincingly. Maxie was like, "Oh, I was just lucky today." I was like, "No, Maxie, you beat her." <laughs> so it was a it was a real coming out party um, because this girl is, was always considered one of the top in top the nation, and 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 to show how things circle back around in life, she will be at Harvard next year. <laughs> Wow. wow.
0: That's so they're going to be on the same team. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> Little Mo will be at Harvard next year. So it's going to be, <laughs> it's really going to be exciting. And she comes from a, a family of attorneys, her broker attorneys, and they're well off. They live in a country club. So I was like, I was like, Maxie, you know, you have arrived because <laughs> you, you know you, are, you have arrived.
0: So that was one of the,
2: that was a big turning point in uh, in Max's career to be able to beat what we call a world class elite player mm-hmm. and, and beat her convincingly and uh, just put in all the hard work that uh, we put in all the the blood sweat tears uh, you know it, it's uh, you know it's it's a tough I mean I mean I got other stories too I mean we had a we were planning a tournament, and I knew that I owed like a couple of months' rent. But I decided to go play in the tournament, and you know, I may, you may, parents may say, "Well, you know, you shouldn't have did that," you know. But I ended up, we ended up playing a tournament. I think she ended up winning the championship, whatever. And came back, and I knew I only had a couple of days. But you know, I prayed on it, and somehow I worked it out. Um, I ended up moving. We ended up moving like two weeks later to another place. But I really just—I gambled, you know. I gambled on my uh, on my daughter. You know, I put everything on her. And uh, and hey, it, it worked. It worked out as best. And I would do it time and time again because I believed in her. I believed in what she could do. And it wasn't a matter of whether she won the tournament or not. It was just the opportunity to just go there and compete and uh, i think that's made her a really good competitor because she really doesn't take anything for granted anymore um so it's a tough it's a tough sport and i i would tell any parent that be prepared to you know you might be crying one day having to take a sacrifice you know cuz i would never buy anything for myself i would never uh waste money it would uh, it would pretty much all be uh, be about my daughter and uh and 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 again, it, it, I think in the, in the in the end of it, right now, like I told her last week, you already made it. Everything what you do now is just gravy. You have made it already. You're already a champion. Um, everything you added, pro career or whatever, all you're doing is just adding to you know your legacy. But you've already uh, put in the hard work and you've already made it. So,
0: so Gerald, question for you. So before that little mo tournament uh where maxi kind of had her breakout moment and she did she had the upset mm-hmm. had you seen kind of that transformation because what you talked about before is again different kids develop differently different yeah. timing did you feel at that point that maxi had developed such that her game jumped to that level that she yeah. was really able to take yeah. care of her on that day
2: Yeah, i i, I what i knew growing up and watching her play, watching her grow up, is Maxie was a lefty, which automatically I knew if we developed her leftiness, she would be dangerous because I knew she was gonna be a good athlete. I knew she was gonna be tall and long and rangy. So I figured if we could just develop these pieces to her game later on, she would be dangerous. So so training wise, we were building her game up really for like, for like pro and college, you know, more, uh, higher level. Um, so we took, you know, you know, we took losses of trying to play the right way instead of just like, you know, there were girls that would just keep the ball in play. They couldn't really hit the ball any, you know, with any kind of philosophy, you know, and they were very successful at a young age. You just be consistent at a young age. So we kind of train more of a, if you give me the weak ball and I put it away, then I can, I can take the racket out of your hand. I don't care how many balls you can keep in the thing. if I can smash the ball over there and you can't get to it, I'm gonna win I'm gonna win the point. So as she got bigger and stronger, what we put into it was starting to show because she was starting to like dominate girls that were considered really, really really good. and and I think what we did was smart because we built her game around her uh, her leftiness, her forehand, and her serve. And then her athleticism. So she could play defense, and but she also had the game to play offense. So we tried to build a, a, a all-around player. And and I think we did a good job, you know, considering uh, you know, we had no tennis knowledge, tennis background. And when she started beating players that were like prodigies, that were families were tennis players, sisters were tennis players, and they would have a whole family of tennis players and we and we would beat, you know, well well schooled uh, players. Then I knew, I'm like, "Wow, we we're, we're coming along. We're we're coming along." But I always like, "Man, we got more levels to climb." And like even right now, I believe she's not it's not even scratching the surface. She's got so many levels to climb, and that's another thing uh as a as a as an ex-athlete, I can see, you know, as you know, a player continue to develop and get better and better and better. And, and that's kind of like what we built around her game to just continue to get better and better and better and not really just be satisfied with her game, always trying to add something to her game.
1: Right. You know, I, I'm just gonna go out on a limb here and I'm I'm gonna assume that you're not like the typical tennis parent that you would see out at at a junior tournament um, you know how with with you being from not from a tennis background and coming from a basketball background and being you know an african-american male mm-hmm. um how were your interactions with other tennis parents at at tournaments and events
2: well that's a great question and um uh... A lot of the interaction was, I don't think a lot of parents really wanted us out there because as an African-American, um, I think they they didn't really think we belong playing tennis. Maybe we should go be playing basketball or another sport. So I've had, you know, I've had parents call me names and I had a situation where um, um, parents kind of conspired to like get Maxie suspended, get me suspended. And um, believe it or not, uh, somehow we didn't get suspended because you know that could set back your kid six months. Um, but I, I've had one parent, Maxie was beating a, a Caucasian girl, and I was cheering for Maxie. And after the match, uh, the parent came over to me and told me that I was scaring her daughter because I was big and black. And mm-hmm. but, you know, I took it in hand. I just like okay, you know. And then later on, that parent tried to get me suspended. Um, saying that I was coaching my daughter when I was just cheering for her. So, you know, we, we've had a lot of issues with dealing with uh, other parents. Um, it's uh, to me, it, you know, I've read books about it. You know, it's just a way of trying to, you know, get rid of you in the sport. But as they start to see, I was always there. I'm always at every match. I never missed mixed any matches, any practices. So after a while, they were like, oh, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> so I think they kind of gave up. But in the a, in a, in a middle of her career, I, I've had instances where, you know, they tried to suspend myself. They tried to suspend Maxie. Uh, we, you know, we we had it out with a lot of parents. I had a, a instance where uh, a parent was trying to take pictures of my daughter while she was playing. And I was like, no, nah, we're not going to take pictures of my daughter. I don't know what you're going to do with those pictures. And we had battles on the on the, on the court. So. Um, Tennis is, uh, is, is, is nothing easy. It's nothing easy. And, and especially for an African-American player, because it's not a lot of, uh, African-American players that play because of the cost of the sport, because, you know, of the barriers that, you know, of entry, um, and, uh, and a lot of them, when you see them at the highest level, you know, that they've been through a lot because it's, uh, it's, a it's a real, real, real tough sport. And, uh, I can, I've been through it, we've
0: been through a lot. Wow. Uh, Gerald, I, if I could follow along on that question, because I'd love to get your insight on this, because you know, as as the three of us being African-American males, we always typically have that talk, if you will, yeah. when you're in a certain situation, here's what you should do, or here's how you should respond. Did you have that type of a discussion with Maxi? Because you're dealing with this from the parents, Did you have a chat with her and talk with her about these scenarios and and kind of prepare her or how did that whole thing go? Did you have to talk to her or did she just automatically kind of adjust? I'm just curious. Well, how did that transpire?
2: Well, well, Maxie is a really unique child, so she would adjust to the situation. And for some reason, she really kind of like didn't really take it to the heart too much she kind of was like hey this is part of uh, of the sport and she got kind of used to it as well i mean we've had even our own uh uh african-american players when she was playing a, a really great player um and she she beat her and we were supposed to play doubles with her after the match and the dad came over to me saying we're not going to play so We've had it on both sides, you know. I've always, but I've always. Maxie's has has always had friends that were all races, and we've always treated people, no matter what races, we treated them all the same. So, and and that's why at Harvard, Maxie has all races of friends, and she's, uh, you know, she's almost colorblind to uh, to race. Um, So I'm glad she didn't really grow up in the '60s and '70s to see race. So I think the younger kids are now, you know, are starting to be, you know, they got friends of all races, they don't really care. And uh, Maxie has persevered in that. And I think she kind of just shrugged it off, you know, and uh, I've always tried to continue to build her up to, to tell her that, you know, it doesn't matter what color you are, you know, you're, 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 you're a tough person. You're going to persevere and, uh, you just going to put in the work and they're going to respect you but you put in the work and as she started getting better and better and better um she, would, she it, it it kind of gave her more uh fulfillment to her that she know that she did the work on the outside of the court at practice or whatever and all that did would just translate onto the onto the court so basically she was winning already before she got there and um and uh and that's how we looked at it and then i also i've met ne- one thing i did, i can tell parents i never told my daughter you have to win any match i said if you do what we do in practice and you play hard and you just do the things that we continue to work on you won it doesn't matter what the score is you won because in the long run if you keep doing that the wins will come and that's the one thing i used to see parents like you gotta win no 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 No, you really don't. You really you're building your game. You're building your, uh, you know, the way you play. You're building your mental, you're building the thing up. If you do the things that you do, you're going to win. And that kind of showed that, you know, during the pandemic, we worked hard and we kept building our game. And when she won 16 matches in a row, and that's two tournaments, two guys in a pro, not too many girls have ever, ever won any sport. 16 matches in a row. And i was there for every single match and, and she she was down in some matches like she was about to lose and she would just come back and and she would just persevere and uh, it was uh, it was amazing uh, it was amazing to see you know a kid just defeat 16 players in a row um And during a pandemic when that, you know you know is, we are already living on a thread because of the the virus so it, it was very impressive. And then and a lot of it she trained in a hundred and fifteen degree temperature uh without complaining. You know, it was it was tough conditions. Uh, so her conditioning got really, really good. So um so yeah. So uh, we she she's she's done well with that. She's adapted, I would say. she adapted to the uh, to the environment.
1: You know, uh, an interesting junct- juncture for each tennis player, you know, as a junior when they're coming up, is that they have to make this decision of whether or not they're going to go pro or whether they're going to go the collegiate route. And so, how was that decision-making space for you and Maxi, and 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 how how did you guys get to the decision with Harvey? Yeah,
2: that's a good question. Now we had offers to turn pro, but. What I wanted for her is I had a college career. You know, I played basketball on my all-time leading score at the school. I went to, I wanted her, whether she went to college a year or two, whatever. I wanted her to have that college life. College life is a, is a great time. And then also she never played on the team. So I really wanted her to have the team. And then on the pro thing, I looked, I started looking at the ages of women that are really worthy was successful. And when I started looking at it, I was like, there's a few doing good things at a young age. There's a few here and there. But overall, most of the women in pro tennis were like 26, 27, 28, 29 that were consistently doing great things. So I'm like, why are people trying to rush out? Oh, why you got to turn pro? I looked at it like she could get out there. She can go four years at Harvard. She can go three years at Harvard. She can go whatever. She's still going to be young. And she's going to have one of the strongest uh degrees in the world and uh and she's gonna have enjoy it so I didn't see a rush because one another thing is we're not even supposed to be here we weren't never supposed to be a pro tennis player so I'm like anything in a pro level is uh is like you just giving me some dessert you know, you know? I'm like Maxi, this is like cake you know you everything extra is okay there's no you don't have to worry about winning one match because you've already made it you were not even supposed to be a tennis player you just right. your dad just hey let's play some sports and uh so it, it wasn't a hard decision you know to go tennis and pro because i have friends that are pros you know some of them are at top level some of them are struggling i definitely didn't want my daughter to be struggling and, not, and pass up college, you know? Why would you struggle and pass up college? You know, there's no, it's, it makes no sense. So again, any parent out there, there's no rush to be a pro. You don't have to be a pro at 14, 15, 16, 17, because your body is not even fully developed anyway. You know, the days of seeing girls out there, Tracy Austin, 13, it's a different game. It's a more physical game. The rackets are different, the string are different. You can get, you'll get hurt in two seconds. The season is long. So really you want to have your kid out there where your body is kind of like fully developed, stop growing because it's a grind, it's a grind season. And you really, I, I, I noticed when my daughter is happy, her game is definitely a different level. If she's mad or just grinding or whatever, her game is a different level. So a happy kid is a happy player. A happy player is going to be a great player. So you know, for us, it was a it was a no brainer than uh, to uh, to let her enjoy her college career, and as of right now, she's very much enjoying it. Uh, she got three point seven the first uh, first semester, okay. and the friends that she's making now are gonna be friends forever. And you know, it could be some president of the United States over there, or, you know, it could mm-hmm. be judges. Uh, I mean, these are this is a great time. So uh, it was a really uh, easy decision.
0: So, Gerald, I want to piggyback on what you just kind of touched on, um, Mm -hmm. because I don't think that we've talked about it, nor have you given yourself credit for this. But Maxie is at Harvard. Don't know dummies get into Harvard. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Simply put, you have had education be one of the focus areas for Maxie. And so let's talk through that. With her growing up, coming you know coming up, tennis was not her only focus. You made sure that education was also a very very high focus. And so talk talk about that for the parents out there as well.
2: Yeah, believe it or not, Maxie would spend even with a full schedule of tennis. Maxie would spend five, six, seven hours of school work. I would help her whenever she needed. I got a degree in accounting, and we would do stuff together. Um, but she put in the work without really me pushing her, uh, but there were times like I remember, I I do remember, I think it was maybe in the ninth grade or something. And she was at, uh, she was doing her homeschooling. And I think her grades at the time were like, all like B pluses. She had like three B pluses. She had like two A's. And I said, Maxie, what is it going to take to get all A's? She's like, "Well, Dad, I got to do all these papers. We only have, we only have one week left. <laughs> so I got to do all. I got to do this back. This, this, this. And we, we, we shut down tennis. <laughs> we like, hey, she's hurt, <laughs> and, and, and I helped her. We stayed in the house, and and she got all A pluses. <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm telling you, there we were you up night nice day trying to get it. Down. I was like, back, we we gotta get these A's. I'm like, hey." I will be pleasant plus is cool, but the babies look good at the end of the day. <laughs> That's why she ended up graduate pretty much 4.0, is we put the work in. We was like, hey, we're going to shut tennis down for a minute, but we're going to put this last week of uh, schoolwork, in, uh, and, and she enjoys school. You know, she wasn't the kind of kid that uh, – her curiosity, she has about 300 books in her room right now. She reads a lot. She does a lot of research. She's very, uh, inquisitive. She wants to know why does this mean this and, uh, and it, it, it landed over to where she's at now. I mean, she, she loves school and and that's what I did. I love school. You know, we just had a great curiosity of just trying to continue to learn and get smarter. And, uh, that's why I thought, you know, Harvard was a good fit because you know, into, you know, the, the curiosity of the brain it gets fulfilled at the highest level and i and i told her i said maxi you can be great at tennis and you can be great at school there's no reason why one has to take a sacrifice to the other you just have to put in more work you know but you can be great at more than one thing. so a lot of people you know don't you know oh you're going to be great oh why you go to hard oh you should have went pro no we can do both we're going to do both
1: right and, and I tell you, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said earlier, you know, even if she doesn't play a single pro match, you guys have already won. I mean, you have a daughter who is on scholarship playing the number one position as a freshman, not at like Chico State. I mean, and, and nothing against Chico State. Shout out to Chico State people. But Harvard, you know, and like you said, the degree that she gets. From Harvard will carry a lot of weight, uh, and you know she'll have a lot that she can do with that. So um, the whole pro side of her tennis career, like you said, would be bonus.
2: Yeah, and that, and that's the exciting part of it. This is bonus. So when you're out there playing, like man, every match I win is just another bonus. It's a bonus check. And uh, she just got into. Uh, she told me uh, last week she got into a fellowship with uh, some company. Where they they were looking for uh, minority athletes that are undeserved because they're not enough out there. So she already they already got uh, they're gonna pay for her LSAT and because now she wants to be an entertainment a lawyer uh, when she when she do playing pro tennis so they'll pay for her outside and give her internship and then she did her own resume she called me up like that, I need to. Can you look at the resume? And nah, nah, nah. I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. So, <laughs> I made a couple of changes and all that. Boom, she sent it in and they accepted her into the fellowship. So wow. she's already got, you know, she's already doing some extra stuff. you know. she's telling me, I was like, oh, okay, let's go. So uh, <laughs> so, so it's it's good because it, they're conti- continually trying to get better and better. And I think a couple of the girls that are seniors, one is getting ready to go work at a, a major fortune 500 company and the other ones got a another job making six figures already so uh again um, you could be great at more than one thing mm-hmm.
0: absolutely no i was just going to say gerald um again great stuff anything additional that you want to kind of share with 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 the folks out here the listeners viewers i mean this has been incredible information from, from you so thank you for being willing to share it
2: Oh, not a problem. I, I can just close by telling people that in life, um, life takes a lot of discipline and it's nothing going to be really given to you or it's easy, but when you do persevere and you get to that goal and you, you reach it, it, it gives you a self-fulfillment. And I think we've reached that with tennis because again, we're not supposed to, we weren't supposed to be here. She wasn't supposed to be, uh, at Harvard, you know, um, I met, uh, her coach at Harvard three years ago, Maxie had, uh, played in a, was a national hardcore and she had just demolished this girl and we got off the court and she was like, you, you, you're taught a lot of weapons. You think she'd be interested in going to Harvard? And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. But in the back of my mind, I was like, Harvard, she ain't going to no Harvard <laughs> circle back around. That's her coach. So it was amazing. It was amazing that I met her, you know, years ago and then circled back around and her coach, uh, you know, shouts out to Tracy Green. She's uh, a great coach. And I'm very happy that she's coaching my daughter.
1: Well, I tell you, just like Isaac said, we appreciate so much. You just really uh, being transparent and sharing your story because there are other tennis parents that are out there. That you know don't know what's in front of them. Um, and this, you know, we love this game, but we also know that this game can be in a very be a very elitist yeah. type sport. And you have to be very careful sometimes how you navigate through that. And uh, but it looks like you guys have aced it um thus far, and just the fact that we're doing the spotlight series I on appreciate that. Is is a testament to what a great job both you and her are doing.
2: Thank you, guy. I appreciate being on the show and um, keep looking for keep looking out for Maxi Duncan. We got a lot more, we got bigger and better things that we get ready to do. There you go. Thank you. So
1: thank you, Mr. Duncan.
2: So we're
1: going to go ahead and wrap this one up for you guys. Hopefully you all have enjoyed this one. uh, And we will be back with you with another exciting episode next month. Remember, we always release on the first Friday of the month. We're going to keep this baby going all year long. So on behalf of the podcast, this has been your boy, Bryce. This is your boy, Isaac. And we are Brothers on Tenor. Everyone take care.